Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Hey there, how are you? I hope you're having a great Wednesday. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about student loans. Now I know student loans are not the the most fun topic sometimes, but a lot of people are faced with student loans and specifically with COVID, it's been a really interesting time for federal student loans specifically. So that's why, because this is such a timely episode, I had to bring back on my friend, Travis Hornsby. Now, Travis was a previous guest. You probably remember he was on the show a little over a year ago and he brought some really great information about student debt and what it means and refinancing and consolidating. Like we talked a little bit about everything student loan related. So today we're talking about student debt from the COVID perspective, which I think is going to give you a really, really good idea of what's actually going on in the world and what you can do to take advantage of some of the opportunities. If you've never met Travis before, you didn't listen to the previous episode, then let me give you a little introduction of who Travis is. He's the founder of studentloanplanner.com. It is such a cool business because it's coaching and it gives you a plan and it helps you get your student debt in order. Now we're talking, he usually works with people that have hundreds of thousands of dollars of student debt. We talk a little bit about that in this episode too. So what is that cutoff between working with somebody like Travis and just buckling down and paying off the debt on your own? He also has a really great podcast that talks all about, you guessed it, student loans. So it's a really important one if you are trying to figure out what you should do with your student debt. It's really great. It's free resources. It's really great education. And his website, Student Loan Planner, com also incredible because there's tons of different articles and blog posts and stuff that I guarantee you will speak to your situation. So definitely give his website some love and definitely go listen to his podcast because he's a rock star. So here's what we talk about in today's episode. We dive into a little bit of what COVID did for student loans, specifically with the no payments until September 30th. What does that actually mean for you? We also talk a little bit about when to buckle down and pay down the student debt versus when to maybe do some refinancing or or get a little bit more creative with the repayment strategy. 
So I think that's a really good one because I know a lot of people get confused on when you should start to optimize your student loans further and when you should just buckle down and pay it off. I really loved his philosophy and his perspective on that. All right, that's a little bit of what we're gonna be talking about today. I know you guys are gonna get a ton of value from this episode. So give it some love, share it on social media, and more importantly, take notes because if this is you and this speaks to your heart, it's really important that you do some more research into some of the things Travis is sharing here. All right, my friend, I am super excited to introduce you to Travis Hornsby. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today we are joined by a repeat guest, Travis Hornsby. Travis, I had so many people after your first episode reach out and say they wanted to hear from you again. So I'm excited and I know people are really excited to hear from you again. I'm so excited to be back. Thank you for having me, Whitney. Give us an update, man. What is going on? So this has been crazy. It's been about a year since we chatted before. What's different like in your personal life? How's things going? Pretty good. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a dad. So that's pretty big. Um, that's really big. That's right? huge. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there, there's that. Um, we are going to have to relocate from our where we're living because basically like, you know, healthcare, you know, hospitals are kind of struggling right now. My wife's a physician. So looks like we're going to have to relocate. Oops. <laughs> so oh, yeah. pandemic economics, right? Um, you know, other things in my personal life or business, we just passed a, a billion dollars of student loans that we've advised. Congrats. So that's a big milestone. Um, you know, we're excited that we've helped that many people. Um, and then, uh, I guess what else is new? Um, shoot, I think that's the biggest stuff. That's like uh, huge stuff. <laughs> try, yeah, it's pretty big. I mean, like, you know, we're helping more people than we've ever helped before. And, uh, and so that meant that our organization, Student Loan Planner, was bigger than it's ever been going into this. And so the stress of that has been somewhat magnified. So certainly any small business owners out there, I feel your pain. Mm -hmm. I know your pain, like all the decisions and stresses that you're going through, like it's tough and it's okay that, you know, to admit that and everything. So, uh, you know, despite all the challenges, we continue to have lots of people reach out and book plans and, and just relieve anxiety from their lives of their student loans. So, uh, overall, I would say I'm very optimistic and excited about the future, even though, man, this has been a a series of months that I don't think anybody's going to look forward to reliving anytime soon. <laughs> no, no, for sure not. So if somebody didn't maybe listen to your first episode, tell everybody a little bit about what it, what exactly is your business? You mentioned coaching. You mentioned a billion dollars of student loans that you've been helping people with. Like, what do you actually do? We help people save as much money as possible paying back their student loans from the quantitative perspective. And from the psychological perspective, we remove all anxiety and guilt from your student loan debt from your life. So that's what we do in a nutshell. How do we do that? So student loans are very complicated. There's tons of different plans. There's tons of different repayment options. You could do a lot of different things with them. So what we essentially do is we figure out with our you know tools that we've developed, used, used thousands of times, we ask you for a list of about 30 questions. And people send that in, and then we ask them for uh, this, this data from their student loan account that they can download. It's called the NSLDS file. So we take those two things and we put it into all of our tools and we do an analysis, we create a plan. And then we spend an hour on the phone with our clients going over that plan. And then we help them if they have any follow-up questions via email, just making sure that they've actually implemented all those actions. So that's what we do. And you know that's the paid part of what we do. The free part of what we do is we have a lot of free tools, resources, and a podcast. So we have Student Loan Planner podcast. And we also have studentloanplanner.com where we have all these blog articles we're constantly publishing and calculators. That's free stuff that anybody could use to figure out 
you know, things to ways to save money on their student loans. So, you know, for example, um, you know, people have, uh, d- problems with closed school discharge, right? There's like, you know, for profit predatory schools out there. We have articles on that. Like not everything that we have like leads to the funnel of higher us for a student loan plan. We want to help all student loan borrowers, but you know, you also find sort of free articles on things like, you know, orthopedic surgeon repayment strategies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how engineers can save money on their student loans, you know, with very specific like career and occupational specific stuff too. So that's like, that's student loan planner in a nutshell is lots of free tools and resources. Uh, and then also the paid resources that, you know, you're getting a professional plan from a, you know, a CFA, C- CFP, CPA level person that's only costing a few hundred bucks. That's incredible, man. Remind me, how long have you been in business now? Since 2016. So it's uh, four years in business, you know, exciting to uh, sort of pass that threshold this October. Wow. And, uh, you know, I started out, started out, it was just me, you know, and, uh, and then now we have a team of about 20. Um, and you know, it's writers, consultants, you know, website folks, PR folks. So it's really grown quite a bit just because student loans have, uh, have really exploded, unfortunately. Right. So, yeah, they have. I mean, so that's, that's what we do is we really attack the problem, uh, which is, which is just the, the, really the, the crippling, I think if you had to say one thing, it's the crippling anxiety of student loan debt, right? Because that's what the emotion that we hear. So like 90% of student loan borrowers that have debt, say larger than a car loan on their brain, uh, they say that they fear face severe anxiety at some point because of their student loans. And I think, you know, why, why is that? It's because student loans stop you from doing things that you want to do, which impacts your happiness. So, you know, it stops you from buying a house. It stops you from starting a family as fast as you wanted to. It may, might stop you from getting married to the person that you love. True. So all these things like can really hurt you. And the good news is, is in most cases, you can actually take charge of your student loans in a way that doesn't interfere with those goals, which is a little kind of next level thinking. It's kind of, kind of shocking when people realize that you're, you know, in a lot of cases we suggest student loans be treated as if it were a tax and then if student loans are a tax, then it doesn't necessarily affect your life. So hmm. there's there's a lot there's a lot to that. That's a, that's a, a a way of talking about student loans that I hadn't really um, espoused very eloquently the last time we talked. But you know the the way that kind of works is if you look at the actual payment on most people's student loans, it really works out to about eight percent of your income because it's 10% of your discretionary income. Discretionary income means you get a deduction before you take 10%. Right. So once you work once you work out the deduction, it works out to around 8% of your income. And then on, if you're going for the, the government's 10-year program for forgiveness, which means you're working in a not-for-profit or government employer, then you pay that 8% for 10 years, and then the loans are forgiven. If you work in a private practice or private sector, kind of environment, then you have to pay that for 20 years. And then you also have to pay income tax on anything that's forgiven at the end of the 20 years. Mm. So that's, that's mostly people with six figures of death that would pursue that. But if you did have to pursue that, then you could simply put aside anywhere from 5% to 10% of your income into Vanguard mutual funds to cover the future tax liability. So then your student loans are just a 8% mandatory tax plus like a five to 10% optional tax you know, if you're having to pay tax consequences at the end. So what I tell people is, okay, you, you think you're screwed because you have 200,000 of student loans and you're making 80,000 a year. 
But 80000 a year is a lot more than fifty, which is what you'd make with your bachelor's degree. That's right. And fifty k is a lot more than you would make than twenty k, which is what you'd make with your high school degree. And you know, and so then take you know eight to twenty percent, let's say, or eight to eighteen percent, whatever that tax on your of, rate of, of your student loans really is. Take that off of your income, and that's your net income after student loans. So if your net income after student loans is more than what you would earn with your bachelor's degree or your high school degree, or if you enjoy what you're doing a lot more at that income level, that net income level, then you made a successful, smart decision with your education and you are not ruined financially and in life. And that's such a wonderful thing. And so since student loans are a tax, here's another interesting thing is they can also not be a tax. When would it make sense for them not to be a tax? So if you had the opportunity to not pay a percentage of your income because that was a bad deal compared to paying a flat monthly amount to pay the loans off, that's kind of how you know. Hmm. So for example, if you have 80000 of income but 20000 of student loan debt, well, you would much rather pay $200 a month than 10% of 80000 a year, you know, and because you'll just pay the loans off, you won't get any forgiveness, you'll pay extra interest costs. So, you know, in other words, student loans at their worst are a tax and if you're making so much money that doesn't make sense for them to be a tax, then they're just a debt, which is something that you could easily handle if you know student loans as a tax doesn't make sense for your situation. So that's really exciting. And also that since student loans are a tax, what can you do with taxes? If you have a complicated situation and you have you know a smart tax person helping you out, then you can take advantage of loopholes, try to get your tax as low as possible that you can do legally, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a lot of the way we save people a lot of money on top of just kind of the basic stuff is we know a lot of loopholes that most people don't. Yeah. You know, really complicated things like the du- double debt loophole, breadwinner loophole, reverse breadwinner loophole, double consolidation loophole, uh, filing taxes loophole separately. So there's all kinds of loopholes that people are just not aware of with student loans that we're able to utilize and save people money because we've studied this and exclusively this for the past four years. Okay. So now I have to ask because everybody listening is like, Whitney, you better ask about this. You mentioned all these different loopholes. What What's one that is the most common loophole for like a majority of listeners would be able to take advantage of? So probably the married filing separate loophole. So yeah. that's, that's a simple loophole where it's just like you should benefit from loan forgiveness. You're paying 10% of your income you know, you're doing, you know, some sort of loan forgiveness program and then you get married, you fall in love with someone, you get married and he or she has no student loan debt. And so you're so excited about marriage that you don't think, wait a second, my student loans. Now, if we file our taxes as a couple, then that's going to count my spouse's income on my repayment. Right. And so what happens there is a lot of people, I hear this, this, uh, this, this kind of reaction all the time from people. They say, I don't want my spouse to have to contribute to my student loan debt. Um, I hear it all the time. Like, I don't want my spouse to be responsible for my student loan debt. I especially hear it among women professionals because of just like, I think that they want to make sure that they are independent and just have that, have that feeling of just not having to rely on their spouse. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I hear it from a lot of people too. It's not just female professionals, but I hear it especially, uh, from, from female professionals. So it's like, if you don't want to be, you know, have a situation where you're having your spouse's income, like impact your student loans, like what can you do? You know, you can file your taxes separately and exclude your spouse's income from your student loan repayment. So that's, that's really good. So for example, you have two teachers, one teacher is pursuing public service loan forgiveness has, you know, 
fifty, sixty thousand in debt from their master's degree, and then the other teacher is not pursuing it and has no student loans. So if they get married and let's say they're both making fifty k a year, so you know, let's just say that they're paying, you know, five hundred dollars a month. The first teacher is paying five hundred a month. Well, they get married. Now they're paying a thousand a month. And that's not 10% because of the discretionary income. I don't want to get into the technical reasons why. Sure. But, you know, just basic pretend the math is just 500 a month for the single person. If they get married, now it's 1,000. Well, instead, they could file separately for taxes and only pay 500 and continue with that same payment and actually get the payment lowered because their family size increased. Gotcha. So, so, so that saves that person 500 times 12. So that saves that person $6,000 a year. So that's the one of the most common loopholes that we see, and it's one that people make the wrong mistakes and and, and decisions with all the time, uh, you know, because the loan servicers will tell you to sign up for the revised pay as you earn program every time. That's yeah. basically on their script, and that that plan is is a decent plan. It's ten percent of your income, but it always counts your spouse's income no matter what. Oh, it does. And so, yeah, it does. No matter what your tax filing status, so you could file separately and it still counts it. So if you sign up for that plan, then you've just committed your spouse to your student loans really too. And instead of that plan, you could be on a different one like pay as you earn or income-based repayment that allows you to exclude your spouse's income. That's right. So so a lot of people say, why would you pay, you know, for for student loan advice, uh, you know, where you can get it for free? Well, I'll tell you this. If you have 10, 20,000 of student loans, you don't need to pay for student loan advice. That's right. You You do need to just pay it off. You do need to just live on rice and beans, beans and rice, and use all that free, you know, side hustle articles, right? That you can make extra money in the weekend. Like that's how you address that problem. But if you have anything more than a car loan of student loan debt, well, now you can do really complicated things that could save you a lot of money because unfortunately, um, and this is something that's really kind of come to, to mind, uh, with all of the protests about racial injustice in the United States right now is, uh, you know, most of our student loan programs are not very progressive at all. They really benefit high income earners the most. Yeah, they do. And um and and you know the you know that you know you you have a discussion about whether that's that's right or wrong and how you would change it, but the thing is is these plans are not going to change for people who already have debt out mm-hmm. outstanding. And so, you know, right or wrong, most of this benefit is going to go to the people with the largest debt amounts. And uh, and so, you know, that's also the people we can save the most money for is the people who have the more debt you have, the more money you can save with the smart student loan plan. So, awesome. you know, so I've been I've been doing so a lot of work here um, on just like trying to understand like all of the 2020 proposals and stuff. And this is something kind of shocking that stood out to me. So if you did um, pu- free public college uh, for you know, everybody in the U.S. per year, mm-hmm. that would cost about $110 billion, according to my kind of estimates. If you did um, free tuition at all HBCUs and minority-serving institutions, that would only cost $2 billion. Interesting. You know, it's so it's, it's actually, like, really fascinating. So, like, I, I just say that to show you how this benefit really drastically goes to people with the larger debt balances. Um, so... You know, I don't know. It's just something that's been on my mind a lot, which is kind of why I mention it. Um, you know, it's just it's just like, you know, the racial wealth gap and things like that with student loans shows up enormously because, you know, who doesn't have to take out debt for school? You know, a lot of white families don't. Right. That's right. And, 
you know, in some ways, grad school is a little bit of an equalizer because grad school's freaking expensive. So like everybody, everybody borrows, it seems. Um, whereas like, so I think 86% of African American families borrow for their children's college, whereas only 60% of white families do. Whoa, so that's substantial. It's, it is different. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's still the majority of white families that borrow, but, um, but you know, that that's a really large gap. Um, huh. so I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, just, you know, you can really slice and dice this and see all kinds of interesting stats with student loans. I, I'd say like overall, you know, the system of student loans benefiting people with the largest debts is going to continue. And, um, and so it's kind of like take the tax code and you might not agree with the tax code, but, um, also you need to legally pay what you owe and no more. That's right. right? Yeah. Try to operate so in like, any way you can. Right. It, you know, and so that's kind of the way we look at it is the student loan system is messed up. It's unjust. It's ridiculous. But, you know, our responsibility is to the individual client to how, how do we save them as much money as possible? How do we unburden their lives as much as possible? Yeah. Um, if student loans were a tax and it was very transparent that it was a tax, then it would be a lot easier. I don't think people would think about student loans very much. Um, so for example, like Biden's plan is to make student loans basically a 5% income tax. You're just going to pay 5% of what you earn. Um, that would create other problems like because, you know, schools, if they weren't regulated, would just raise costs That's to the exactly moon. That's exactly the case. Yep. <laughs> you know, so, but the thing is, is if people's loans were a tax and they knew it, then they wouldn't be so stressed. And so what we have been able to do is translate student loans and today's rules to a tax for people to tell them exactly what it is. And when you, when you do that, people aren't stressed anymore. So, you know, I know a lot of people are stressed with their finances, with COVID, right, with all this stuff going on. Um, and with student loans, at least, they shouldn't be. I love this perspective. I've actually never heard anybody articulate it quite the way you did. So I, I think it's really eye-opening just to see some of the options that people have and, and how to just change your your awareness around student loans to say, you know what, this is just a tax and it is what it is. We don't complain. I mean, we might complain about income tax, but we still pay it and we just expect it. And so I, I think that's an interesting way to look at it. I'm curious with all of this stuff with COVID, there were a ton of changes with student loans, specifically federal. What were some of those changes? And I know like it's June when people are going to be listening to this, but what are some of the things where like maybe it's important for them to hear this before it ends or before it stops completely? Yeah, like so the interest freeze for federal loans ends on September 30th. So if you made payments before or after March 13th, you can actually request refunds, which is an important thing to know. So the reason you would do that is because federal student loan uh, suspended payments count towards forgiveness right now. So, you know, your $0 payments don't hurt you for income-based repayment and things like that or PSLF. Cool. So you really shouldn't be making payments right now. The only the only people that should be making payments right now are people that are so kind of anxiety-ridden with student loans that paying down their loans is going to cause them to have a higher savings rate and they're going to pay it down anyway. True. You know, like that's – that maybe, you know, if you're that kind of person where you'd, you'd – you you know your pay you'd pay your property taxes like a year in advance because you're just scared about it or something like yeah <laughs> pay your loans extra you know I mean there's people out there like I'd probably be one of those people sometimes I know me too actually <laughs> yeah so it's like you know so so it's like it's one of those things where you know it, this this interest freeze is good because it allows you to focus on more important things so you know I do say student loans are a problem but they're not ever the the number one obstacle even though a lot of people that's how it feels to them mm -hmm. so. 
you know, so, so what do I, what do I mean by that? So if you have no payments, no interest, it just, it's not going to affect your long-term plan. Short-term, it, what it allows you to do is save more money for an emergency, save for the possibility that you might get unexpectedly laid off, like someone in my family experienced, um, saving more for, you know, whatever is going to come your way, like short-term goals. Maybe you want to, you know, leave the city and go buy a house in the suburbs after just like being locked up in your apartment for two months, right? Or three months. Um, you know, certainly a lot of people are doing that according to the New York times, wall street journal. Um, (laughs) so, you know, so maybe, maybe that allows you to do some other more important short-term goals. And then long-term your student loan plan doesn't really change. One thing I'm watching is whether or not they're going to extend the cares act beyond September 30th. So, the Heroes Act would have ex- extended that, you know, that paused payments to September of 2021. Um, that did not get passed, uh, so we'll have to see uh, what the cost of that, or what the decision with that's going to be with the next round of stimulus. Which I think we'll see a, a stimulus. Uh, I think it's going to be in, uh, you know, probably in July is when they're going to discuss that. So no I would encourage, yeah, I would encourage student loan borrowers to follow the discussions in July for what the next round of stimulus could look like. Uh, because that's what's going to, um, you know, sort of determine when their student loans will start. As of now, you should expect to make your next payment on October 30th, which happens to be five days before the election, uh, four, five or six days. So I don't think they're going to actually request that because I don't think I'd want to be, you know, a, no, a Republican politician sending out all these bills for student loans at that no, time. No, no, especially not that. Okay, so I gotta ask you because I think a lot of people. They want to follow along and they want to be educated on stimulus packages and student loan information. But I feel like sometimes they don't know where to go to get the resources. So obviously, they should listen to your podcast for anything student loan related. I know you. You do a ton of work in this area. So I trust your opinion a lot. But like for other resources, like where where do people go? Do you have any favorites? You know, there's there's honestly not a lot of, of of good resources out there. I think that you know there's there's certainly Reddit is a good resource. There's like a Reddit for student loans, mm-hmm. um, our site and podcast. Uh, there are like Boston Student Loan Lawyer, um, Jay Fleischman, Heather Jarvis uh, is sort of the the OG of student loans. Um, you know, if you're a professional, like a financial planner, there's like the CSLP program, like Certified Student Loan Professional, which has a lot of information. Um, and then there's, you know, you know, I would say that that's probably the best resources yeah, out there. Um, you know, I would say that there's probably like if you wanted to like really go in deep, you, there's a, a, a income based repayment FAQ that's like 60 pages long uh, on studentaid.gov. I don't think anybody has interest in reading that. <laughs> Except um, for you. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's you know, it's kind of how I what I how I got into the space is I had to read everything, yeah, and did. then build tools that people could kind of use and translate their situations to. So, um, you know, those are those are some of the resources out there. I think. I mean, the 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 key thing, like I said, is you know, if you have ten or twenty thousand, trust all that generic advice you see that's online right. and on CNBC and all these places. You know, all these side hustle blogs, right? Like, trust all that advice. But if you have you know, if you have more than that, just be cautious because, you know, I've seen people cost themselves three, four hundred thousand dollars in and lost uh, money because they made a student loan mistake. I've seen people delay their parents retirement by five to ten years because Aww. they had their parents take out equity out of their home instead of borrowed student loans, which were in a forgivable program. Yeah. Um, so, 
you know, it's really huge consequences. So I just want people to, you know, give it the the proper respect. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's a, that's really good advice too. And I think it's um, those resources that you shared. I appreciate you sharing those too. I think that's always super helpful when it comes to anything resource related. How does some, this is something that I've been personally looking into. So with COVID, with the stimulus packages, with everything, there was so much misinformation. And so one of the things that I'm starting to look into now and just starting to educate myself on is deciphering what's a good resource and a credible resource versus just news or fluff or something that isn't quite accurate. And so that's something I've been personally looking into. So again, I do appreciate you sharing those resources. Yeah, for sure. There's there's a ton of misinformation, unfortunately, even in, in mainstream publications about student loans. Uh, not intentional, I think. It's just because a lot of uh, journalists don't necessarily understand the student loan uh, system, and they don't they don't necessarily understand why certain things are announced the way they are. Like, for example, the public service loan forgiveness program. There was a bunch of articles about the 99% rejection rate, and um, and that's just simply because people that had uh, applied had loans that were too old to qualify for PSLF. So that's the reason why you had a 99% rejection rate is because everybody applying had loans that just by the law didn't qualify because it was before, you know, a certain date that they had borrowed. Mm -hmm. And um, does that mean the program's broken like everybody in the media was suggesting? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I mean, yeah, they should have been told accurate information that they didn't qualify. But but it doesn't mean the program technically is broken for all the people that are qualified and certified and working towards it and have proof that they qualify with, you know – certification forms they've submitted. So there's a lot of like fear mongering that happens. Um, so you should just be aware as a student loan borrower, like the, the, you know, I mean, we're content creators, Whitney, like we know the value of clickbait, right? So, uh, (laughs) we, we know, we know that that like really well-researched holistic, you know, very calm article is not going to get maybe as many (laughs) views as one that's just like the world's ending, the sky's falling, you (laughs) know, your student loans or your student loans are going to, you know, you know, they're going to napalm your life or something. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, that's, that's a more exciting headline. It'll, more people will read it. And so, you know, most of that stuff out there with student loans, it's like hyped up a little bit. Yeah. It is. So, and it kind of raises your blood pressure. It makes you freak out. It makes you panic and just don't do that. That's the benefit of a long-term plan as you can t- tune out the noise. I mean, it's the same thing kind of in investing. You know, if you, if you don't understand the game and you don't understand the long-term plan you're using and, and you don't have an investor policy statement, then, you know, yeah, you're going to get freaked out when, you know, Tesla goes by down by 10 percent and then you're going to, you know, try to think, oh, man, I should be uh, putting all my emergency fund in Tesla when it soars 20 percent. You know, so yeah. it's just it's just one of those things where you have to learn how to tune out the noise and actually have a plan for many things in life financially. That's how you do it. That's so true. So question on when when you're advising people, let's say hypothetically, I've, I've always been curious about this. So I, I believe that you can save thousands of dollars by doing a lot of the strategies that you teach and help people with. So I'm a huge believer in that. My my caution or my concern or wonder is, is it ever just, I mean, is it worth it if let's say you have a decent income and let's say you're experiencing $100,000 in debt, hypothetically. So let's say you're a, a high income earner and you could realistically pay that off within two years by cash flowing it. Is it still worth pursuing different options or is it better just to buckle down? Like wh- where's the line there for you? Well, so the current rules is if you're in a um, public sector job, then, you know, if you had 100000 of income and you had 60000 or more in student loan debt, you should you should still pursue forgiveness. 
Uh, so that's like a 0.6 kind of level. If um, if you are in the private sector, then you want to pursue loan forgiveness if you have 100,000 of income, but but less than 150,000 of student loan debt. Mm. So certainly if you're in the private sector, it's a lot you know, harder to go for forgiveness than if you're in the public sector. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still very possible, but it's harder. Now, the thing people should be aware of is uh, in September, the interest freeze ends. So people get their interest charged again, and a lot of people will think about refinancing at that time. The concern uh, that I have is that, you know, in the election, um, you know, Biden, if he wins, wants to pass this program to allow you to pay 5% of your income towards loans instead of 10. And, uh, and also wants to eliminate taxes on student loan forgiveness. So if he were to do that, then that would, uh, that would cut your, um, you know, that, that ratio substantially. So instead of, you know, somebody with 150,000 or less needing to pay their loans back, that would actually drop the forgiveness threshold kind of similarly to where PSLF is for people in the private sector. So in that case, if you have a hundred thousand of, of income, but more than 60,000 of student loan debt, you'd want to pursue forgiveness with, you know, loans in the private sector versus paying it back. Mm. So, you know, that that's a huge change. Like there's a lot of people that would owe 60 to 150,000 of student loan debt, you know, and there's a lot fewer people that owe more than 150, you know? So what would essentially happen is that, you know, consumers, you know, with that new plan, uh, would pay way less of the cost of their education and, uh, you know, the overall sort of federal budget would be paying a substantially more. So people need to be aware of that because if you refinance, everything's off the table. You've committed to paying it back. Mm. So I just want to make people aware of that because like a lot of people might not think about what rules might happen in a year when they're thinking about whether or not I should start paying back my loans. Um, you know, I think that it's a very real possibility. You could see some sort of like modest student loan cancellation, maybe $10,000. Um, particularly if the Democrats win in 2020, mm-hmm. you could see, you know, a, um, you know, more advantageous income-based repayment program, which could very well happen if the Democrats win in 2020, and you would lose both of those things by refinancing. So, you know, if you have like truly, if you're like hundred thousand income, fifty thousand debt, yes, pay it off. You know, if you're below that half of your income in student loan debt, yeah, get rid of it. But uh, but just be super cautious if you owe a lot more than that. Yeah, good point. Because I do. You're right. A lot of people do want to consider refinancing, and if if they are pursuing loan forgiveness, you're right. It totally sabotages them. It sets them up for now. You got to pay it all off. Like that's uh, kind of sucks, especially if you're on track for the loan forgiveness. It's interesting. Well, no one knew this was even possible that they could suspend all interest. I mean, no one. No, right? Never, it's we, so unheard We've never of. seen this. We've never seen this before. We always knew that government loans had better protections. Um, but I always kind of assumed that the worst case scenario is, well, there's three months of forbearance on private loans, but there's three years of forbearance on federal. Mm-hmm. And then federal has income-based options and private does not. So, you know, that's a really good benefit. But if you're making a ton of money and you're really financially secure, those protections are irrelevant to you. And that what matters is how much interest are you paying, mm-hmm. you know? But now when they lowered that uh, interest rate to zero, well, I mean – all the people that refinance for a 1% lower rate, that that advantage got wiped out for like, you know, three to five years. Yeah, that's rough you know? too. Um, you know, and so people will probably still long-term save more than people who had refinanced uh, or than people who, who stayed at the federal system. But, you know, in the, in, the, in the short term, it was very painful. And so, I, you know, it was super unfair the way they did it. 
uh, not helping private loan borrowers, but you know, they did it because it was fast. They didn't really think that much when they did this. I mean, no, that's un- unfortunately like the reality of all student loan policy is Congress never really thinks very hard about this stuff before they do it. <laughs> and, um, and that's how we end up with a dozen payment plans, complicated loopholes, a mess of a system. And, you know, if the solution is let's create a new repayment plan, which will be one repayment plan and streamlined and everybody will use it. Well, Good luck, because the the track record has not shown that to be very uh, uh, effective. No, it's nuts. It, it's such a weird, convoluted system, and it's something that I'm glad I'm friends with you because there's so many times where I'm like, freaking student loans! Like, what is this? Like, <laughs> there's so many different caveats, and it's such a weird system. But yeah, man. So for for somebody listening in that wants to dive into student loans more and they just want to become a little bit more educated, they definitely have over $100,000 of student debt. They're looking at a very long payoff process. Are there any resources on your website that you think they should start with or on your podcast even? So in the podcast, like there's a, a podcast search tool on our site that you can click and find, uh, you know, to search specific episodes. Um, so, you know, you could certainly type in PSLF for that and see all the PSLF podcasts. Also, if you're a dentist or you're a lawyer, you know, you could type those same keywords um, in the in the blog. And if you go click on our blog, just like page, you'll see the categories um, on the right on a computer, on the bottom on mobile. And then it's got all of our categories listed. So a lot of people want to search by their occupation, by their loan forgiveness program, by their status of like, you know, what they're interested in. So you can you can find all of that. Um, And then, you know, obviously you can just Google search student loan planner plus whatever you know, topic that you're looking for and you'll find it from Google as well if you just want to do that. So that's that's what I would suggest is start with the free resources. Our, our guides on loan forgiveness are especially good um, for people that, you know, don't have the money to pay uh, a professional right now, which I, I totally understand. Uh, a lot of people are, you know, getting laid off, money need tight. You, you kind of use it for keeping the lights on, like totally get that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The thing is, you're not going to have a lot of opportunities to spend a few hundred dollars and get a return that's maybe 10 to 100 times that in life. And that's that's the projected savings that we find people is about $46,000. That's around uh, 100 times our average fee. So, and that's projected, that's over 20 years of the life of your loan kind of thing. But that's substantial savings. And, you know, our typical client has six figures. So that's kind of why I said, you know, if you have a small amount of debt, you probably don't need our services. But if you have a large amount of debt, you know, we're probably going to save you a lot of money if you use us. Remind me, Travis, what did you do before your business? What was your occupation? I was a municipal bond trader. So, uh, yeah, I traded tax exempt bonds for cities, roads, states, uh, you know, airports and all kinds of things like that. Right on. So, uh, yeah, so it was fun. But the thing is, is if you invest in those, you already have a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and so I wanted to help people that didn't have a ton of money yet. And, um, and I, you know, I'm really blessed and lucky that I got to do it in this format. Cause I, I think, you know, again, going back to that, um, sort of like racial, like justice, like mm-hmm. concerns with the protests, like financial planning is essentially built to serve the interests of like the top 5% income, you know, earners in America. Yep. And so it's like the average household, like the average financial planning fee, like kind of needs to be two thousand to three thousand dollars to make that profitable because of compliance costs and you know things like that. So the typical household's going to spend one percent to two percent of their income on financial planning, which means like your typical household needs to be making like hundred fifty to two hundred thousand before they can pay a financial planning fee. And uh, and that that household is in like the top, you know, I think it's top t- five to ten percentile. 
you know, of America. And so, uh, and so unfortunately that lower percentile earners are getting served by high commission financial products. And, uh, and so, you know, that's, that sucks. I mean, that's, that's how you get a racial wealth gap. That's not closing is, you know, all the rich people get the best access to advice and like people that don't have as much assets, disproportionately minority communities, especially don't get access to good advice and instead have all these, you know, kind of predatory financial institutions that set up shop in their neighborhoods that further yeah. make people not uh, close the racial wealth gap, you know? So, so it's kind of like, um, you know, student loans is something that, uh, you know, is, is certainly hits communities of color harder, but it affects everybody. Right. I mean, you know, student loan borrowers, student loans don't care what your background is. They'll beat you over the head just the same. Right. That's right. Uh, if, if you have them. And so what I kind of get excited about is at least focusing on student loans, I'm not going to pretend that we're helping that bottom 50th percentile of the income distribution. We're not, you know, we're really helping people in that top third of the income distribution, yeah. but at least we're, we found a way to dip down deeper into that income distribution so that we're helping people that might not have been in, you know, a, a financially mobile situation that we can get to that, you know, financially mm -hmm. secure, financially independent status, which is what I'm really excited about. So I hope somebody listening to this will get inspired and think like, how can I do financial advice for like that middle class or lower income segment in an ethical way? That's something that I would love to get behind and promote. Uh, you know, all over the place. Um, I mean, there's some places trying to do that. There's like, you know, a lot of places are starting like, you know, like Schwab has like a cheap recurring monthly financial planning service and there's, uh, you know, Betterment and there's uh, Vanguard has, has a robo solution now. Um, you know, there, there was like, you know, oh, there is financial gym. There's, uh, there was LearnVest before they went out of business, you know, so there's, there's options, but it's just kind of like, we focus just on student loan borrowers with complicated problems and that's what we're good at. So that's what we can help you with. Um, I don't know. I just, I dig I'm it. passionate about this stuff. Uh, you know, I don't know if you are, you know, I listeners had no idea. Tell. You care about this? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, I don't want anybody to not do something, uh, yeah. because of their student loans. And, and more importantly too, I don't want anybody to, uh, to, to, you know, like, like part of student loan planners mission statement is to save lives. And that's because we know that student loans are a contributor to, uh, to suicide Huge and they're a contributor to depression and anxiety and all these mental health concerns. And if we can support people through the free content and then the people who are, you know, in a decent place that don't mind paying for the paid content that supports all the free content, like overall student loan planner already, I think has saved at least a couple lives based off of like law of large numbers and, you know, and some emails that I've gotten from people that have oh, cool. said some specific things that I can't go into, you know, but, yeah. um, but, but so it's, it's just cool that you can live your life without like a quote unquote debt sentence, right? Yeah. That yeah. You, your debt is not a debt sentence, no, so to speak. It doesn't need to be, but it, it can feel, it can feel that way. So I, that's where I think changing your perspective to it's a tax is super helpful because it takes that pressure off of making it almost an identity issue and it takes it into this is just a financial tax. Like it is what it is. So I think that's a really good shift too. Travis, remind me last time you were on, did I ask you rapid fires? I don't think we did. I don't know. It hit, hit me up. With, with Let's them. do it. This could, I, I'm like so excited to hear your answers because I think this was a new thing when we chatted. Okay. You ready for this? I didn't prep Let's you. Go. All right. What is one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? A um, <laughs> a uh, padded uh, standing platform 
So uh, we've been working from home a lot, right? Your listeners have been working from home a lot, and um, my feet were having a lot of pain. So I am uh, in a Canadian, uh, American, Asian American kind of household. That's my wife's background, mm-hmm. Canadian, Asian American, and and I, you know I think it's more just like people in the north of the United States too, just like don't like wearing shoes inside. It's like a big thing, right? <laughs> like in in Florida, it's like you don't care. You're always going to have shoes on, at least for like most of the people I know. And then in like northern kind of areas, I guess it's like the mud, right? Like it's like snowy maybe and you trek it inside or something. So sure. there's this culture of not having shoes. So I don't have shoes on. And so my, my feet were in a lot of pain because I like standing up and walking around. And, uh, and you know, my, my wife was working from home. And so I had to – she was my – you know, she was – I had to be accountable to her. And so, uh, and so I bought a padded um, like thing to, to stand – on while I'm working and uh, I don't have feet pain anymore. So that's, Dang. that's the best like 50 bucks I've spent in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. Did you get it off of Amazon? Where'd you find it? I did. And it had like a, uh, a one month, uh, delivery timetable. Cause I bought it like, <laughs> you know, when they were saying like, you know, essentials only. Right. Yep. Um, so that was, that was kind of interesting. <laughs> that's so awesome. Okay. Well noted. All right. Where is one location you're dying to travel to? <sighs> I'd love to go to Australia or New Zealand, um, probably New Zealand, just because uh, I've been watching uh, Lord of the Rings uh, on HBO Max because they like, you know, they've recently put the vid- the movies on there again. Oh, cool. And it's just that scenery is just unreal. Like you look at it and you're like, is this even Earth? Mm. You know, so I mean, it just seems so nice and it's so uh, just kind of otherworldly and just unlike anything you would see, um, you know, maybe anywhere else. So uh, so I certainly think that, you know, that would be a, a really great place to go down there to to, to visit whenever this, you know, whenever this stuff someday gets back to whatever normal is. Right. Right. I agree. I think that would be really cool. Okay. So my next question for you, I'm obsessed with people's morning routines. I find them to be so interesting. So what is your current morning routine? Boy, it's not a great one. It's definitely not one of those, uh, you know, Mark Wahlberg take on the world ones, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I just like to, you know, I just, yeah, I don't wake up at 4am. Let me just say that. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to, uh, wake up, get coffee, read New York times, wall street journal, Washington post, uh, just kind of read headlines, just kind of see what the, what the day is like. Um, the, uh, you know, the past few months I, I check, uh, you know, cruise line stocks cause that tells me kind of like what people's, uh, you know, crazy expectations are one way or the other for the day. Um, <laughs> cause it's, it's either going to be up 10% or down 10%, you know? And, and so I know, okay, it's. It's up 10%. Today's there's going to be all these people talking about how great the economy is and how we're getting back to normal. And then, you know, I'll see, oh, Carnival's down 10%. Okay, so uh, time to talk about, you know, the recession's going to be permanent. All these jobs are going to be lost. And just, you know, so, so I do that. And then, uh, and then you know, I, I'll, I'll basically try to figure out what, what do I want to do? What's one big thing I want to try to accomplish by the end of the day? Don't always get to it. But, that's um, awesome. But it's, I mean, you know, it's I, I don't have like these, you know, I mean, I guess hopefully that encourages people like, you know, the, the student loan planner business brings in, you know, I should say brought in because who knows what the future is going to be, you know, but um, but brought in multiples of what I earned in my job. Yep. And um, it's not because I was special. It wasn't because I had some sort of secret, um, you know, genius skill set or something like that. It was just because I focused on something that I was passionate about and I niched down and I only focused on that and I tried to do it really well. And and so that means that if you waste some time, like, you know, that's okay. If Mm -hmm. you get distracted, you can't be productive. That's okay. Like in other words, like a, 
a business that solves a, a specific, very specific problem very well for a reasonable cost, um, that business is going to be okay without you spending a gazillion hours in it. Yeah. And a business that's not as, as effective with solving problems as you could spend a hundred hour weeks and it's not going to work. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I guess that's my morning routine is to show that I'm nothing special and that, uh, you know, people should not get super stressed if they don't have an amazing morning routine. <laughs> lined yeah, up. no, I hear that. I hear that. That's I love the cruise line stock thing too. That's freaking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Let's that. see actually, let's see what it is today. Oh, down 5% today. It's going to be a bad ending. day. With you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh my God. That's so funny. I'm going to start doing this now and texting you every morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh oh, bad, bad day. Uh -oh. What, what, what content Caribbean. are you creating? <laughs> yeah. Royal Caribbean down 10%. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay. My friend, last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Spending two times your income or less on a house purchase and having a paid off car, or if you're renting, spending less than a fifth of your income on rent and having a paid off car. Um, that to me is financial success. And the reason I say that is because if you follow those two rules, you're going to reach financial success accidentally, eventually without having to do anything special, which is pretty profound. I think that's huge. I appreciate that perspective. Travis, always a pleasure, my friend. I love hanging out with you and just learning from you. You're a wealth of knowledge. For everybody listening in, your podcast is phenomenal. So obviously go listen to the podcast. Where else should people go to hang out with you? Yeah, so in the podcast, you find that just by typing in Student Loan Planner Podcast wherever you found Whitney's podcast, your podcast. So um, in terms of other places, studentloanplanner.com is going to be that primary place. So we've got we have got a contact button. I love to hear listeners' questions what they're going through. So if you want to ask us a question via email on the site, just go to studentloanplanner.com and hit that contact button. And uh, if you're ready to get a plan, if that's where you're at, then just go visit the site as well. And you'll click on that hire us part of the menu and you'll uh, see all the information in our reviews showing, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, you don't have to take my word for it or even your word for it, Whitney, that, you know, we, we really try to do the best for our, for our people. You do. I love it. Travis, thank you so much for hanging out. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, what'd you think? I love this episode. I thought it was so interesting. More importantly, I thought that it was really interesting to see how COVID has transformed the way we view student loans, at least in the short term and what that could potentially look like longer term post-2020. All right, if you enjoyed this episode and you haven't shared it with somebody that you care about, go ahead and do that now. I know for me, it was very eye-opening in a lot of ways, and I think it will be for somebody you know too. So definitely give it some love, share it around, and hopefully it helps at least one person. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, I hope you're having a great week. I love you, and I will see you on Friday for 5 Tip Friday or next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye. Bye.